Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in your singing and the selection of the songs, which definitely tie in to the message, which has to do with soul care and a variety of passages in the Bible uh, definitely address that particular theme, and we'll look at some of that this morning. Let's come before God in a moment of prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your word that it speaks into our life through the songs, through the written word of the Bible. In different ways, you speak to our hearts and into our lives, into our souls. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will do that, that you will use the words and meditation of my mouth so that together we may honor you and that we may together grow in our walk and give you glory in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. There's two passages in particular that I'd like for us to turn to and read. The first one is from Psalm 41, or rather 42, Psalm 42. Maybe somebody can shout out a page reference if you want to follow along there. Page 181. 881. 881. Page 881. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. And then there's like this pause before and after verse 8, especially, I think. So after all your waves and breakers have swept over, by day the Lord directs his love. At night, His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, 
Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And then the other passage is taken from Matthew chapter 16. I'll read only the verses 24 and following. The context in chapter 16 is where Jesus takes his disciples, and earlier in the chapter, he says, who uh, do people say that I am? And so a variety of responses the disciples give, but then Peter stands up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then later in this chapter, Jesus says, there's a turning point happening now in my ministry. I'm heading for Jerusalem, and I'm heading there to die on the cross, uh, heading there in order to fulfill my deeper purpose to bring salvation into this world. And Peter says, God forbid that this should ever happen. He rebuked Jesus that he would even think of such a thing. And Jesus, in turn, rebuked him, saying, you know, one time he says, you know, he scored really well. You are the Son of God, the Christ. And then Jesus says, listen, right now you do not have the things of God, but the things of my, a man in mind. And, and he says, you're, using, you're being used by Satan to tempt me to not fulfill this destiny. Christ died so that we would be saved. Peter couldn't see that, but Jesus did. But verse 24 then follows up that rather raw conversation. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a person if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a person give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Especially that verse, what good will it be for a person if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a person give in exchange for his soul? So I'd like to start off the message with maybe a personal question that might seem odd to you, but I'll ask it. Is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? We often put it as a statement as part of a familiar hymn. It is well with my soul as part of a chorus when peace like a river, etc., etc. It is well with my soul because of what Christ has done for me. That's great, and there's times for that where we celebrate in a statement of faith, this is where I stand. 
But I'm asking you, before God and before this time of worship, is it well with your soul? Interestingly enough, um, brothers by the name of Charles Wesley, who wrote many familiar hymns, and John Wesley, they lived in the late 1700s in England, and later the Methodist Church followed up on their Christian teachings. And it was one of the first questions within their small groups that they would ask one another. So it's hard for us to really do a dialogue over that question in this large setting. But in a, a smaller setting, with people that come to know you, and that you know on a regular basis this small group is going to ask you, how's it going? Not just how's it going, but is it well with your soul? What's going on there? What, it begs the question, what is the soul? Why does it matter that we even give attention to this? It matters because when you think of what the soul is, it is part of our lives when we think of what makes us who we are. It's our bodies. It's our uh, mental abilities. It has a lot of ingredients of making each of us who we are. But when you pull away what is the center of the inner self, what is the essence of who we are? It is our soul. When you think back to how God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created man and created woman, in the, in the description of God creating man, he takes man from the ground, and he creates him out of dust, and then he breathes into his nostrils and he becomes a living being. It's what separates people and human beings from all the other creation that God made and the creatures that we have all around us yet today. It is our soul that makes us distinct and unique from all other creatures. It is what lasts beyond the grave that when this body, as wonderful as it is in so many ways, dies, the soul continues. And someday we know that, according to the Bible, we will be given new bodies that are perfect in every way. But it's our soul, then, that is so essential and vital for us to be aware of as we live this life but also recognizing it is our soul that carries on to eternity. The body is for a time. The soul is forever. God breathed into each of us at some point a very soul that makes us unique in every way. And so it becomes very important for all of us on a regular basis to ask ourselves this essence of who we are, is it well with my soul? And that goes beyond people asking, how are you doing? You know, and we talk about our jobs, and we talk about our health, and we talk about our families, all good things in and of themselves. But deep down inside, 
you might be a whole different person than what's showing on the outside. God knows it. You might know it too, but how do you give expression to it? And how do you work in partnership with God to accomplish soul care? And how can we do that together to nourish and build up and encourage each other with the care of our souls? Those are our deeper questions. In this psalm that I read from Psalm 42, five different times in the first six verses, it talks about the soul, the soul. The soul thirsts for God. He's far away from the community of God's people. He's far away from having the opportunity to worship. And he's so thirsty for God. He's oppressed by enemies. And his soul is downcast. It's depressed. It's stressed in so many ways. And what he does in this particular psalm is that he says, in my state of being downcast, I need to stop and Ask myself, why are you so downcast? Still, even in this time, you can choose to put your hope in God. Even in this time of difficulty, you can choose to remember the acts of God, his character. That's his references to these different mountains. And even though it seems like the waves of God are washing over you and you have no energy or strength, still you can place your hope in God. Your soul still is under his care. A person's soul, your soul, is essential. Are you aware of the health of your soul? <laughs> I said it's in partnership because God, of course, is the only one who can revive the soul, who can breathe new life and renew the soul. But he works through his spirit in us and through our faith in Jesus Christ as we learn to follow him. Therefore, we too have a role in caring for our souls individually as well as collectively as a community of faith. And I would suggest to you that one of the first things that we do in soul care is that we check our gauges regularly. Our gauges. So that if you think of your physical health gauge, where are you at? You know, are you energetic? You're pumped? It's good? Life is good? You're near full tank. Or are you kind of running on fumes and there's not much in the tank and you wonder how long before the next fill-up somehow, some way, get enough rest, get enough sleep? Or mental energy, we could go through the same thing emotionally. Uh, how's your gauge doing? With relationships with other people, how is your gauge? Personal satisfaction, how is your gauge? But also with your soul's health and energy, how is your gauge? A pet store delivery truck makes its rounds. Each time it came to a stoplight, the driver would get out, take a two-by-four, and start banging on the side of the truck. After seeing it happen a couple of times, another man asked him, what are you doing? He explained, this is only a two-ton truck, and I'm carrying four tons of canaries. So I have to keep two tons of them in the air at all times. 
Some of you might be operating your life in that way. Someone writes a pastor with these statements, I can't remember the last time I felt rested or refreshed. My life has been on overload for years. There are too many expectations, too many responsibilities, too many activities, and too many decisions. And it all seems like it has to be done immediately. I often feel like I'm putting my fingers in the holes of a dam, but I don't have enough fingers to stop all the leaks. Checking your gauges regularly. It's really no fun to run out of gas. Literally, if you've ever done it. But also, where it's like you hit a wall inside. We were not meant to run on empty. Our souls were never meant to run on empty. And in fact, they cannot for very long. So are the lights flashing? Are you on fumes? Have we become so busy, so overwhelmed by life and worry that our souls cannot keep up to our schedules? God feels distance, distant. Life's pur purpose gets fuzzy. We become discontent. And then at some point, we just don't care. And when you reach that point, alarms should be going off if you just wake up and you don't care. That's why there's other passages in the Bible to give us hope when we are running on fumes or where we realize that the lights are flashing. One of the most familiar psalms is Psalm 23. I'll read just the first part of it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I love that. He makes me lie down. <laughs> We're sometimes too stubborn to lie down, but he makes me lie down. He leads me beside quiet waters. I don't always go willingly, but he leads me there. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's how God revives and restores our soul. His commitment is that he is with you. I don't know where your gauges are at. I don't know where your soul care is at today. But I know that God is with you and he has a desire to restore your soul. That deepest inner sense of who you are so that you will be refreshed. In Psalm 51, David cried out, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. How often have you cried out, Lord, I just don't have that joy anymore. I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. In this first part of caring for our souls, 
we check the gauges regularly and we begin to recognize that this is part of taking care of ourselves in our walk with God. That we can cry out to him and know that he understands exactly what we're facing. He knows how we got there. And he knows that this is no place to stay. And so he restores our souls. If this is going to happen for us and that we're partners with God in this, then we need to make space for God in our life. It's one thing to check gauges and to recognize, hmm, that gauge doesn't want to move. It's kind of stuck. Yeah, there might be reasons for that. One of the reasons would be how can we be more aware of making space in our life as we are for God? Not as a compartment so that we have work here and family here and hobbies here. Oh yeah, we have to have a compartment now for God. And so space for God is going to fit into this nice, neat compartment as an add-on. This is not an add-on, this is an add-in. When we think of making space for God, it is intentionally recognizing that God as our Lord and Savior is to be part of every area of our life. There is no area where God is not present. So space for God in our families, in our work, in our hobbies, etc., but at some moment along the way, there needs to be moments of solitude with God. You might be driving in your car on the way to some place. Turn off the radio. Have a conversation with God. It is taking care of our souls in this way because God created us for a relationship with him that was, would be honest, that would be intimate, that anything could be shared about anything and that God would still love us anyway. There's a song that I have grown to enjoy and have listened to it often. Maybe, maybe you're familiar with it, otherwise you can look it up later. It's called You Say by Lauren Daigle. Part of the lyrics go like this. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say. I am strong when I think I'm weak. You say I am held when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. What you say of me, I believe. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. That is why we need space for God. 
to have that kind of honest conversation with God, to say, this is how I'm experiencing life. This is how I am hoping things will get better, but I need relief from my sin and guilt. I need strength to face this situation. I need hope because right now it feels hopeless. I need relief from the grief and loss that I still feel for my loved one. I need you, Lord, in so many ways. I need you. Do you have space in your life where you can have those kinds of conversations with God? That's an essential part of soul care. You decide how best to do it. There are many, many different ways. But do it. Have it be part of an add-in to your life. When God created man and woman, one of the things that we're told is that they would have walks with God in the garden. They would talk about creation. They would talk about who knows what all they would talk about. But there was a sense of no shame, no guilt, just open conversation with the God of heaven and earth. And then sin entered in. And then a very drastic change took place. God showed up in the cool of the day, walking in the garden, looking for Adam and Eve. He knew where they were, but they were hiding. They were ashamed. And God says, Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? But they hid from God. They were ashamed. And many of us... <laughs> still are hiding from God and we're still ashamed for something that we think God will be oh so surprised with or oh man I didn't know you were doing that he knows it all and yet he says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest for your souls I will walk with you no matter what the situation we'll figure it out together Take care of your soul. Go for a walk with God. <laughs> so look at the gauges. Watch them. Watch my notes fall all over the place here. And take time for that walk. We all need it regularly. Lastly, a different kind of metaphor, if you will, and that's in connection with uh, looking for burning bushes, or looking for a burning bush is probably a better way of saying it. What I'm referring to here in your soul care is to do what Moses ended up doing as he's taking care of a flock of sheep, and in Exodus 3, we see that a bush is burning, but it's not consumed. And Moses sees it and says, I must turn aside and look at this great sight. 
And so he turns aside, and God says, you're on holy ground. And what begins is a conversation with God that changes his life forever. What I'm getting at is this, is that God places burning bushes in our path, in small things, in big things, so that we are able to see them and make a decision to draw aside and see what this is about, to give it thought, to explore it, to talk with God about it. But let's face it, a lot of us are so busy or preoccupied that, what bush? <laughs> we don't see no bush. <laughs> it's like they don't exist, but I'm telling you, please, hear me. God is at work in so many areas, in so many ways, and for us to begin each day and each week to say, Lord, show me a burning bush, show me where you are at work, so that I can see that, that I may come and explore what you are doing, how it may impact my life. How does your word and spirit call to me through this situation? And to recognize as I face those situations, even as Moses did, I take off my sandals and recognize I am on holy ground. Burning bush is really a shimmering of God's grace, places where God wants to especially speak into our lives. It may happen by surprise, totally unexpected, but it is available on a regular basis to all of God's people, wherever you are at, whoever you are, whatever your age. If I can speak to the graduates, maybe to retirees too, a few people in between, but a graduate, recognize that you need to take care of your soul as you move out of the house or move on in your graduation to other things. The church structure won't be there in the same way. It may be available to you, but you have to go look for it. You have to take responsibility of taking care of your soul and find others who will help encourage you to do that as well. But recognize that there are these bushes that God places around you in your work and in your life. For retirees, maybe we stopped looking for bushes. <laughs> for whatever reason, we are no longer expecting God to speak a new word into our lives. And there could be lots of reasons for that. Believe me, I sympathize with many of them. But I'm here to say there are more holy bushes and holy ground around us than, than we will even be aware of or recognize. But we need to seek them out. Ruth Barton, in regarding the soul of leadership, writes this. We need moments in our life when we let the chaos settle a bit and invite God to show us evidence of his presence at work in big ways or small ways and allow him to guide us 
in our understanding of what these things mean. Another quote from Elizabeth Browning. Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven coming down to earth, do you believe it? Do you long for it? Do you ask for it? That your eyes, yes, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your soul, may see the wonders of God around you. And that your heart would be restored. And there would be hope once more. In conclusion, allow me to just say a couple of closing words, and they're really words of thanks to many people in this congregation for your help in caring for our souls and encouraging and nurturing our souls over the last two years. I'm not sure about each of your stories, but I can only say for myself, the time of COVID was such an attack on my soul in a way I never expected because I was apart and separated through the pandemic, through my own health situation, and I couldn't believe the impact that that had on my soul. It shrank. It became unhealthy. It became introverted in such a way. I didn't like it anymore. And I want to take a few moments, and I hope that those of you who are part of this congregation, or maybe you're visiting us from another congregation, I want to thank those who have been involved in trying to encourage and nurture our souls during this terrible time. I remember preaching here when it was just the worship team, and then they scattered through the audience, and none of you were here. Maybe you were online, maybe not. Thank you for those who were leading us in worship and the tech people who helped to stay connected, albeit virtually online. Thank you for the different ones who were involved with the various youth ministries and children's ministries. It was on and off sometimes, but the leaders and volunteers who still kept praying, still kept trying to find a way to connect with youth and children. Not just give them a good time, but to let them know that there was a community who cared for their souls. Thank you. Thank you in particular to one time I remember watching online. I asked before the service because I forgot to check the date, but it's August 16, 2020, I'm told. August 16, 2020, where a group of crazy people 
led a worship service from Vetter Mountain and broadcasted it. And if you haven't seen it on YouTube, you really need to go see it. It will encourage your soul. It certainly encouraged mine. So thank you for those who did that and went out of their way on a crazy hot day. They can tell you stories about how the machinery was overloading, overheating, and everything else, but in the end, God blessed it. Thank you. And I was struck again. It was another one of these moments after this past Saturday where we talked about the church picnic. And there's over 200 plus people, and I couldn't remember everybody's names, but it was just so good to be in a fellowship, a time of worship here that we've had together now for a number of weeks and months, but a time of fellowship to laugh, to sing, to eat chicken. <laughs> I want to thank all of you, and I hope I'm speaking on behalf of many others. Thank you, all the leaders, the staff, the volunteers. Thank you. And for those who during this time have become disconnected from this community of faith or maybe have been disconnected from others or maybe have sought now a time where they have connected in this same time where many have been disconnected, be welcome. Those of you who maybe are still watching online or have not reconnected, May I say to you that for the sake of caring for your soul, that you would return, if not to this place, then to another place of fellowship. Because you need that as part of the caring for your soul. You need it for what you can receive from others, but you need it for what you can give to encourage the soul of others. And so how is it with your soul? Please ask that question this week, this summer. Take inventory of your gauges. Think of how God can have a walk and have a talk with you and what kinds of things might you talk about. Don't just think about doing it. Do it. To pray. To begin reading God's word to understand these wonderful words of Jesus in closing. John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within that person, referring to the Spirit of God. Please join with me in prayer, and I invite the worship team to come up and lead us in song. I know you've been sitting for a long time, so why don't you stand for prayer? Lord our God, we thank you for your steadfast love, for your faithfulness, for your forgiving grace. You know each one of us so well, personally, intimately. 
You know where our gauges are full and where they're starving for attention. Holy Spirit, would you speak into the lives of the graduates and let them know that they are deeply loved and that you will go ahead of them no matter wherever that may be. They may be nervous, they may be afraid, but to know that you are with them, that that may be enough. Lord, for each one of us, may we continue to search out ways that we can draw closer to you because we know that when we draw near to you, you promise to be near to us. May we encourage each other, pray for each other, help one another, teach one another, uplift one another, bear one another's burdens, love, love one another. May we be able to come to the point where we may say, it is well with my soul. Thank you, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.